Hey, 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 you're not Elon. Who are you? I'm Neil, Casey's BFF platonic life mate. Yeah. Yeah, something something along those lines. Sounds about right. <laughs> Whatever you call it, it, it yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean. There's no real term for our friendship. No one understands. No one gets it. Everyone's, like, confused that a man and a woman can be friends without wanting to shag each other every 10 seconds yeah because that's not on our minds at all Mm-mm. nope he's like the little brother that i never wanted yep yep um yeah so we go way back like 22 years ish sounds about right i don't <laughs> keep real close track of these things but yeah sure yeah i'll round that Long enough to know way too much dirt on the other one. Exactly. That's why we can't get rid of each other. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, this guy that I've been seeing, I don't know how to label that. Doesn't really matter. Um, but he illustrated this children's book about, you know, the banana car that drives around. Okay, yeah, yeah. The big banana car? Yeah. So there's a book about the banana car, and this guy illustrated it, and it's super fucking cool. So um, everyone should buy a copy, because it's amazing. And they, some of the proceeds are going to go to cool stuff in the community, which nice. is always awesome. So That's cool. <clears throat> go get you a copy of the banana car book. Um, and, yeah, um... My uh, partner, Matt, who lives in Ohio, you know Matt, Matty Cakes, Um, he just released an episode of his comic on Webtoons, and it's fucking phenomenal. So I'm going to share that on the page, too, because everyone should read this. It's, It's amazing. I cannot, like, I'm not an art major or anything, but, like, his technique is fucking phenomenal like he he drew this page that looks like it was done on notebook paper and he fucking drew the notebook paper like it he's he's an incredible artist like one of those artists that like i like art and i've wanted to be i would wouldn't mind being an artist but i'm very awful in these kinds of things so one of those artists that i just want to punch because they're so good that it irritates me that they're so good yeah, basically. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so shout out to Matt and his webtoons. Um I'll post that link later. Um Yeah. And then um the third guy that I'm seeing, he doesn't have anything cool going on, but I just think it's fair to mention him too. So. But well, you're in his life, so I guess I mean, that Bonus is, for him. Right. right. So, hey, Jason, who doesn't listen to this ever? <clears throat> oh, that just t- takes him down a notch, I guess. So um, Whatever. He's he's fun. I like him a lot. Um, you want to hear some dad jokes? Of course. Dad jokes are the best. Sundays are always a little sad, but the day before is always a sadder day. Uh, I I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <clears throat> How did Darth Vader know what Luke got him for Christmas? I don't know. 
he felt his presence. <sighs> oh, the dad jokes. So, what do you call a man who can't stand? I... Mm, I'm not sure. Neil! <laughs> ah, ah, oh, oh. It, I forgot that one. It's been since, like, third grade since I've heard that one. I picked that special for you. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> You oh. just you just took the time machine back to you know. I know you're welcome. 1989 to find that one. You're welcome for that, friend. Um. So why are cats bad storytellers? I don't know. They only have one tail. Aha! Yep. Yep. What is Michelle Obama's favorite vegetable? Mm, I feel like I've heard this one, but I don't remember. Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I am uh, so done torturing you. So I'm gonna tell you the story of Gore Orphanage Road. Gore Orphanage Road. Right. So back in March, like the day before the state shut down, or two days before, I went to Kent, Ohio, to see Matt. Okay. And um, on the way there, I passed an exit for Gore Orphanage Road. Okay. Now, obviously... So it's a road. It's a road. The there's an orphanage on? I'll get what? to that. Okay. I'll get to that. Calm down. Calm your titties. Um, so, obviously, the name was, like, sparked an interest. So, I was like, I can't forget to Google this when I get there. So, when I got to Matt's house, I Googled it and found a super awesome story that did not disappoint um i've actually been waiting to cover this one for a while and this seems like a super fun way to do that um i forgot to mention earlier but elon is off because um she actually lost two family members within the last couple of weeks and she just needed some time to kind of you know understandable yeah just breathe and so you know, um, we love you, Elon. We love you so much. So Hope for the best. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you the story of Gore Orphanage Road mm-hmm. to kind of supplement while she's taking her much-deserved time off. Lucky me. I know, right? You so did not want to do this. You hate... Neil hates anything scary. He is, like, the biggest wuss that I have ever known. Oh, Whatever. And I well I I do all right when there's some cute girl that's like grabbing onto me or something because she's scared I'll I can muster it up for five minutes and it's good but uh huh <laughs> um so yeah it's exciting that I get to spook him tonight so back in 1817 there was this super successful farmer dude named Joseph Swift. He purchased over 543 acres of wooded land in what is now known as Vermilion, Ohio. I have family from there. You do? I do. Well, this is a fun little treat for you. So, um, I guess that's in the northernish Ohio land. I'm not... Sounds familiar. I think there's some relation of like some Pennsylvania counties that share some names and that's... I just did a bunch of my family's genealogy stuff, so that's where oh, I remember yeah. seeing okay, well, the county and, uh, yeah. Yeah, so from what I remember, it's northern Ohio land. 
Um, so since Joe was the first landowner in the area, the land was quickly um, kind of nicknamed Swift's Hollow, which is like a super fun nickname, I think. Um, so it took Joe 20 freaking years to clear the land in preparation of building his dream home. Could you imagine doing all that by hand? Like, Yeah, that'd be a lot of work. Yeah. Ugh. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've done full eight-hour days with a chainsaw, so uh-uh. without a chainsaw, I can only imagine. No. Mm-mm. I feel like that would be worse than cleaning out your mom's storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> wicker. Have some wicker. You need some wicker. There's oh, yeah. So much wicker. <laughs> so, um, upon its completion, this dream home featured 15-foot ceilings, 14-plus rooms, and a servant's quarter. This shit was fancy as fuck. There were marble columns, ornate woodwork, the decor was swanky as fuck. Dude's living his best life until he wasn't anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Someone wanted that fancy place to themselves? Well, so as with any good urban legend, tragedy struck the Swift family. Oh no. In 1831, Swift's five-year-old daughter, Tryphenia, died. Then, in 1841, his 24-year-old son, Herman, also passed away. Around the time of his son's death, Swift's... (laughs) Swift's vast fortune pretty much disappeared due to some bad railroad investments. Oh, bummer. I know. Shucks. So he did what he had to do, and he put his beloved home up for sale. Wah, wah. Shucks. I know. Very sad. Maybe you just don't invest in the railroad. Yeah. Well, they didn't diversify. That's the whole thing. The railroad just thought the railroad was going to be everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Don't start. (laughs) In 1874, Nicholas Wilbur purchased the property for his family. So, Nicholas Wilbur was a renowned spiritualist leader. Do you know what the spiritualists were? No. Are? So, they were these religious people who believed that they could conduct seances and rituals to contact the dead. So, like, when you see movies depicting, like, the late 1800s and they're doing the seances... With the crystal ball and stuff. That's, like, where that comes from. So, um, Nicholas Wilbur was a renowned spiritualist leader, and he was known for hosting seances and rituals frequently to contact the dead. According to the legend, Wilbur's children were all psychic, and they regularly communicated with the spirits that the family reached. In 1893, tragedy struck again. This time, a diphtheria epidemic broke out. Sadly, the Wilbers lost four of their beloved grandchildren in one week. Wow. Yeah. Nicholas Wilbur ended up dying there in 1901, and the mansion stood empty for about a year. Um, Sometime in 1902, Reverend Spurger purchased the property to be used as the Orphanage of Light and Hope. So, Sounds good. Yeah. Johan... Spurnger was a religious zealot driven to fanaticism by the untimely deaths of his own two children. Dang. Yikes. People died easy back then. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank yes. God for vaccines and shit. Yep. Damn. Yeah, I saw a lot of that in my genealogy, too. This, the, you know, 
sickness would come through and take out half the family. Yeah. And yep. Families would end up living together and merging together and sharing households and. Yeah, that's why everybody had a hundred kids because like ninety yeah. percent of them died. Yeah. Um. So. The good reverend moved to Vermilion with his wife, Katerina, after their orphanage in a neighboring city burnt down. Fun fact, two other previous business ventures that the good reverend had been involved in have also burnt down previously. Wow. Take, take fires are more common then, and you didn't have what you have nowadays, mm-hmm. but then again... Yeah. I mean, take that for what you will. I'm just saying. This happened. Yeah. Um... And it no doubt contributed to the, the legend. Yeah, you know, because sure I mean, we'll get hurt. we'll get to that, but I'm sure it didn't help. So, under the Spurgers' care, there were up to 120 children at any time living as inmates at the Orphanage of Light. Dang. Yeah. And they're calling them inmates now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um. The children living there were forced to operate a printing press on site to print their own educational materials. Wow, yeah, this sounded a little bit more like a prison. Conditions were so shitty at this orphanage that children would frequently wade through the nearby Vermilion River in harsh temperatures just to try to escape the orphanage. Wow. When they would turn up in Vermilion, they would tell tales of slave labor and how they were fed sick cattle if they got fed at all. Wow, sounds like it's not light and hope anymore. Yeah, it's a hard knock life. Um, The orphanage was said to be infested with roaches and ants and rats and whatever else could crawl up in there. When when Um, you don't care and you're just after making a buck, you know. Yeah. um, And this is a reverend running this place? Yeah, yeah, he is gross. Yeah. yeah, So there was only one bathtub available to the children so they were only what, how many like 120, 120 yeah wow um so they were only allowed to bathe once every two weeks and oftentimes multiple children had to share one tub full of water which is fucking nasty yeah especially after two weeks mhm there were frequent reports of these poor children being beaten with belts and as if this mistreatment wasn't enough the good reverend also enjoyed renting the children out to neighboring farms for manual labor. If any of these kids were unlucky enough to get sick, they could forget about proper medical attention, and instead they got thoughts and prayers. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, the good reverend. Hey, hey, don't get angry yet, though, because... (laughs) In 1909, there was an investigation conducted, oh, right? Oh, good. That's so good, gonna right? they're going to finally get them. Nope. No. Mm-mm. No. Of course Sadly, not. at the time in Ohio, there were no laws or regulations pertaining to such institutions. Of course. So nothing could formally be done about the conditions at the orphanage. So now do you want to get mad? Like, really mad? Uh, sure. Yeah. The Sprungers, or Sprunger, I don't even know how to say this name, but... The good reverend and his wife openly admitted to many of the allegations that the children made against them, and still nothing happened. Um, so here's where the legend happens. The story is told that allegedly one December night, one of the orphans was walking to an outhouse with a lantern. He tripped and fell, and an inferno was ignited. Oh, no. Yeah. So another fire mm-hmm. the good reverend. Right. Um, which I think that other fires may have contributed to 
this legend being yeah. built. So just keep that but in mind. But still, you know, the Reverend probably just, well, it was some kid with a lantern. It wasn't me let doing me, it on purpose. Let me tell the story, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> the steps <coughs> leading downstairs were immediately blocked by flames. Many townsfolk gathered around and watched helplessly in horror. All in all, dozens of little lives were said to have been lost. Oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. The fire was so intense that only the foundation and a couple of stone pillars were left standing. Wow. So, fun fact. Uh-oh. The legend is wrong. It's wrong, huh? Yep. Want to hear what really happened? Sure. Well, we, we know what really happened, or this is... Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you what happened. All right. All right. So, the orphanage was located on the same property of the mansion. The mansion was never actually used as a part of the orphanage, and it stood vacant for, like, 13 years that the orphanage actually existed on the property. Right. Um, the mansion stood empty for a long time after the orphanage was closed, and all of the orphans were dispersed to more suitable living arrangements. It wasn't until, like, 1923 that the mansion actually burnt down. I'm guessing it probably had something to do with the rowdy teens that like to flock to the site to party and have sex. Things... Sounds like a cool place, like the Yellow Motel. Yes, exactly like the Yellow Motel. Um, so where did the fire story come from? I'm glad you asked, Neil. <laughs> Shortly before the investigation that I told you about, sometime in 1908, about 40 miles east of Vermilion, in a town called Collinwood, 176 elementary students died horrifically in a fire at their school. There was like a horrible stampede situation and kids were unable to escape because stairs were blocked by flames. Uh, There was nowhere for them to go. Um, It was super traumatic on the community and a big deal. But as the years went by, the story kind of was getting retold and distorted. And it kind of evolved into this... Gore Orphanage Road, like they kind of merged facts. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, nowadays, Gore Orphanage is said to be one of the most haunted places in Ohio. Yeah, well, a bunch of kids dying and being mistreated and yeah, dying horrific deaths. What do you think about that? So, you gonna have nightmares tonight? No, I don't think it'll give me nightmares. No. <laughs> I'll try harder. Maybe, maybe if we, like, went there and we're, like, in, you know, actually witnessing these haunting events. All right. Sold. Let's go. All right. Let's pack it up. Load up the kids. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks for helping me tonight, Neil. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Anytime, friend. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Check us out on Facebook, Sinister, Strange, and Suspicious Podcast. You can check us out on Twitter and Insta at SSSPodcast13. You can send us an email and tell us how awesome we are at SSSPodcast something at Gmail. I don't know. There's a link tree on our Facebook. Go check that out. Bye.